G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story of an adult child leaving home to experience life and all it has to offer is a familiar one. It's also a story Jesus told with a powerful spiritual lesson. God's enduring pursuit. Today on Leading the Way. When this boy left home, he said, Give me. Oh, but when he came to his senses, he said, Make me. When he left home, he called it independence. He called it pleasure-seeking. But when he came to his senses, he called it sin. He called it for what it is. Has someone you know completely walked away from God? I'm sure many can relate at some level. And those who listen to Jesus tell the story of the prodigal son also painfully understood. Hello and welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Today... Dr. Yusuf reveals the Heavenly Father's never-ending love for those who walk away from Him. It's a message called God's Enduring Pursuit. And by the way, if you can't stay until the end, click over to ltw.org. We have lots of convenient ways to listen and watch all of the powerful content from Dr. Yusuf and Leading the Way. Right now, though, here's Dr. Michael Yusuf to begin his teaching time. Today, as we continue in this series entitled, The God Who Pursues Us. We come in Luke chapter 15. We come to this part where this younger son arrogantly, haughtily, and selfishly asks his father to give him his estate, the part of the estate that he would have inherited after his father have died. We saw in the last message how that, in a context of the first century Middle East, would be the most insulting thing that a child can tell his father, because he was basically saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Why don't you hurry up and die? But I can imagine the smirk on this boy's face as he packed his designer Jerusalem jeans and and, and his designer Jerusalem shirts, and and as he packed those and uh, feeling contempt for his parents. Uh, Can you imagine that surly boy accusing his parents of being out of touch with reality? I mean, I can imagine his bitterness toward his dad's rules of going to church and doing his chores and cleaning his room. And the Bible said, Jesus said, it was only a few days after he got all the assets that his father gave to him that he sold them in a fire sale and converted them into cash. And there, with pockets full of cash, he gets into his convertible camel, (laughs) pops the wheels, and burns rubber for 30 feet and heads for the Big Apple. And as he takes off, he leaves behind a broken-hearted father. He leaves behind a scornful older brother, and he leaves behind a devastated community. Parodicals don't only affect themselves, but they affect everybody around them whether they're children, whether they're husbands and wives, whether they're parents, whatever they may be, they leave devastation behind them. This boy thought that he cut the, wiped the slate clean. He thought 
that he burned all his bridges. He thought that he left no rights to claim. And Jesus said, that son scattered the money. Scattered the money. In fact, that's the word used in the New Testament or after the whole Bible as a farmer scatters seeds in the time of planting all over the land without necessarily very systematic. He just spread them around. Just, in other words, he was like spending money like a drunken sailor, thinking that his money was going to bring him friends, thinking that his money is going to bring him happiness, thinking that his money was going to bring him popularity, thinking that his money is going to bring him a status in society, which he craved so much. And it did work for a short period of time. When this boy's money ran out, he was dumped by everyone so-called friend. And you would think at that moment he now says, now that I'm desperate, I need to go home. I better go back to my father. But no, it's too early yet. You know why? Because his pride was live and well. He hasn't been broken yet. He hasn't come to the point of desperation yet, because his pride would not allow him to go back. He's probably not being broken enough, and, but not being desperate enough, and presumably he said to himself, he said, well, I wouldn't go back there. How can I go crawling back to my father and asking for his forgiveness? How can I go back to my, and live under his roof and eat my older brother's food? How can I go back to the narrow streets of the village where every finger is pointing at me? I would never do that. No way. Well, to make things worse, famine hit the land in which he was. Most commentators think that was one of the cities in Syria is where he went. Famine hit that land where he was living. <laughs> but the boy was not ready to give up his pride yet. His pride was stopping him from coming to the Father. And so he gets a novel idea that he never thought about before, and that is getting a job. <laughs> but what would a Jewish boy do? What kind of a job would he have in a Gentile city? I mean, in the time of famine. <laughs> Banks and corporations were not hiring CEOs at the time. And here, where he gets closer to rock bottom, not quite rock bottom yet, but it gets closer. For a Jewish boy to take a job feeding pigs would be like a rich American kid has a job cleaning the sewer. Imagine that. Pigs in the Middle East back then and even now, for that matter, not like the gentleman farmers who are raising hogs in this country. <laughs> They're not anywhere near as clean. I mean, they fed those pigs everything, every conceivable garbage and trash that you can think of, and I leave that to your imagination. But in times of a famine, the garbage was in short supply. They didn't have enough garbage to give to the pigs. So they were giving them Dried pods. Now, I've seen them. I know what they're like. Many of you might know this pod known as carob. If you've seen the carob, and if you ever ate a carob, there's, a, there's some edible ones. They'll break your teeth. Well, those particular pods were ten times tougher than the edible carobs. And verse 16 says, the boy was even glad to get these pods, but he couldn't get enough of them. In other words, the pigs were better off than he was. Ah, oh, that's the rock bottom. 
That's the rock bottom. And he begins to think, how much better off the servants in my father's house than I am. How much better off the servants in comparison to my abysmal condition in which I find myself. So he finally begins to swallow his pride. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of the people that I shared Christ with and the people that many of you probably shared Christ with. Do you know what the number one reason why so many people, whether they're churchgoers or not, but so many people who stay away from the loving arms of the Heavenly Father, from the forgiving hands of the Heavenly Father, from the warm heart of the Heavenly Father, do you know what the number one reason is? Pride. Pride. Well, they think they're good enough just the way they are. They think they don't need God. They think they don't need a Savior. They're good people. And good people, of course, God is obligated to let them into His heaven. (laughs) Uh, They don't need repentance. They don't need forgiveness. They don't need redemption. They don't need any of this. They don't need to bow before God in brokenness and humility. No wonder the psalmist said that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise, because that's the only way you can come to God. Because none of us are good. None of us are good. None of us are good enough for God. Verse 17, Jesus said, when the son came to his senses, he began to write his speech. (laughs) When he came to his senses. Coming to his senses means that he snapped out of his stupor. That he snapped out of his self-focused blindness. Please hear me out on this one. This was far more than just feeling sorry that he wasted the money. This is far more than just feeling sorry that he wasted his life. This is not just uh, uh, feeling sorry that things did not work out the way he planned it. This is not just feeling sorry that he had failed. No, 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 no. Not here. Not in this context. But he realized that he sinned not only against heaven, but against his Father. He realized that he brought degradation and shame to the good name of the Father. He realized that he is no longer arrogant, that he is no longer prideful, and he was no longer feeling that he deserves everything. He was no longer feeling worthy to be called a son. He was happy to be called a servant. He was happy to live in the servant's quarter. In fact, he was very happy to have a servant-master relationship with his father. In other words, he was totally and completely broken. Beloved, there's nothing wrong with brokenness. It is only when you and I are broken that God can put us together again in a far greater way. And often God allows us, and He waits until we are broken. As long as we've got our strength, as long as we say we can do this, as long as we put the flesh out there, God waits. He waits. You see, when this boy left home, he said, give me. Oh, but when he came to his senses, he said, make me. When he left home, he was a son. But when he came home, he said, make me a servant, a slave. When he left home, he called it independence. When he left home, he called it pleasure-seeking. But when he came to his senses, he called it sin. He called it for what it is. He got what he wanted, lost what he had, 
And he was contented now for far less. You know, the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, that sin is pleasurable for a season. The sin is pleasurable for a time. For a time. Until STD and AIDS begin to ravish the body. It is pleasurable until the alcohol begins to fry the liver. It's pleasurable until the drugs begin to fry the brains. It is pleasurable until you realize that there are a whole lot of people paying a heavy price for your going into the far country. There are three stages of sin. The first stage is the charm of sin. The second stage is the contour of sin. And the third stage is the consequence of sin. The first is the charm, the allure of the far country, that Satan holds that shiny one for you and says, here, come get it. Then there is the contour. Give me. I deserve this. I am worth it. And the victim's mentality. And then there is the consequence, the spiritual pigsty. Now, beloved, the only solution to sin and guilt is repentance. The only solution to sin and the only answer to sin and guilt and failure is the Father's home. In the last message, we saw how the Father stripped Himself of His dignity by running in humiliation to welcome His repentant Son. And we saw how this is a picture of God the Father is in God the Son, humiliating Himself by hanging on a cross so that whomsoever would come to Him in repentance and in faith, whomsoever come and ask for the forgiveness of their sins, they will receive it. Today could be the day in which some parodical sons and daughters, some parodical husbands and wives, some parodical fathers and mothers, some parodicals would come to the arms of the Father. He is waiting for you. But then there's something very, very important here that the average reader is going to miss in this story, and I don't want you to miss it. It is very, very important. Listen carefully. It's about that encounter between a repentant son and a forgiving father. The father would not let the boy finish his speech. I have no doubt the boy's a long way home, and as he was walking home, he was rehearsing his speech. Have you ever been there? <laughs> when you're meeting with somebody and you try to plan your, your, your argument, planning your, th your thoughts and build your speech in your head. When I see my father, I'll say to him, Father, forgive me for I have sinned against you in heaven. Father, I am not worthy to be called your son. No, no, no. I said, Father, don't even call me a son. Father, just put me with the servants. And he was going through that speech in his mind. When I see my father, I would say this. And when I see my father, no, 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 I better say this. Now I want you to look at verse 21. The son begins to make his speech. <laughs> and if that doesn't tear you up, I don't know. But just look at it. He says, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. And the father stops him. He didn't want to hear the rest of the speech. Oh, that's very important. The father said, I've heard enough. But what about the part? <laughs> make me one of your servants. He didn't want to hear that. The father did not. That was not necessary, you see. Do you know why? Because our heavenly father does not take servants and slaves. He only takes in sons and daughters. He only takes in sons and daughters. 
You can serve God after you become a son. You can serve God after you become a daughter. But He will never look upon you as a slave. He will never look upon you as a servant. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servant, but friends. God will not call you anything when you come to Him but a daughter and a son. He's in the adoption business. He's not in the hiring of slaves and servants business. He's in the adoption business. Beloved, let me tell you something. The grace of God is not partial. The grace of God is not with measure. The grace of God is irresistible. The grace of God is unconditional, and He's offering it to you today. As soon as you repent and say, Father, forgive me, the rest of the speech was not necessary. Oh, but Father, what about my past sins? You say, what sins are you talking about? <laughs> Father, what about what I did to you? Oh, what did you do? I don't seem to remember. Listen to me. Listen to me. The devil will always, always try to remind you of your past sins, but not your heavenly Father. The devil will always try to harass you about your past sins, but not your heavenly Father. And Jesus wants you to know that the moment you say, Father, forgive me, he say, that's enough. All of your past, present, and future sins are forgiven and forgotten. In other words, they will not be held against you. That moment, all of your sins, all of your failures, all of your guilt, not part of it, all of it, washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, God does not. 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 Can you say, God does not? He does not back up your sins on a computer hard desk and then keep it for safe for in storage for future references. He doesn't do that. No way. You can say no way. No way. The moment you say, Father, forgive me, he erases the entire disk. He no longer possible for him to use it against you because he said so. He promised so. He can no longer use it in evidence against you when you come to him and be a son and be a daughter. That's how God works. You know why there are some people who have difficulty forgiving their spouses and forgiving their parents or forgiving their children, forgiving a friend, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, they have a hard time forgiving. You know why? Because they have a certain measure of self-righteousness. They fail to remember that God forgave them much. But there's something else that's very important. I cannot conclude this part of the story without bringing it to your attention. You notice the boy did not stop outside in one of the bathhouses outside of the village, get showered, shaved, and cleaned up? No. He did not go to some old friend and try to borrow some clothes so he can look presentable to his father? No. 
he didn't do any of that. You see, Jesus wants you to know that you can come to him as you are. Try to get and improve your life. Try to get better in order to please the Father. No, 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 that doesn't work. And that is why before you come to Jesus Christ in repentance and ask Him for forgiveness, all of your good works, the Bible said, is like a dirty rag. You say, you mean all the charitable work and all the good things I've done? Yep. Before you become a daughter and a son, Isaiah said, it's like dirty rag. All your efforts. And that is why the boy did not try to get cleaned up and dressed up and be presentable to his father. Listen to me. When you come to Jesus Christ as you are, he cleans you up. He washes you up. He dresses you up. And he sends you on your way as a son and daughter. And then you may do good work to please him. But not before. There may be someone here today who would say, Michael, I am so overwhelmed with guilt and I'm so overwhelmed with failure. I'm so overwhelmed with grief. I'm so overwhelmed with sin. I don't know that God can forgive me. God promised to forgive everyone who would come. Will you come to him? Will you come to him? Say, Father, forgive me. An invitation to come to the Father as you are. Whether you have warm clothes and a full wallet, or unsure of your next meal, He welcomes you with open arms. If you'd like to speak with one of the Leading the Way pastors, maybe to have them pray with and for you, start by going to ltw.org Jesus. You know, just recently I found a copy of a past month's edition of My Journal, Although we'd recently read it at home, I picked it up again and thumbed through it, surprised at how encouraging it was for the circumstances of my day, even weeks after the first reading with the family. You see, each edition contains updates from Leading the Way and how the truth of God's Word is impacting areas of the world that many believe are lost in the darkness. It reminded me of the power of the resurrection, and even, how we heard today, that God the Father seeks to be close to those far from Him. I think you and your family would also be encouraged by My Journal. So if you've not already, get on the list for your free copy of My Journal every month. Get on that list today. Call 1-300-133-589 or online at ltw.org. And while you're signing up, look and see how Leading the Way is impacting families around the world with the truth of the gospel. That number again is 1-300-133-589 and ltw.org. Well, that music means our time together is at an end for today. Do join with listeners around the world next time, won't you? This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.